The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Friday, September 9th, and I am your host, Mike. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, Jess. Hey everybody, long time no here. God. Bobby Julo. Hey everybody, long time some here. And last but certainly not least, Sam Hoover. Hey everybody, long time no live. Yes, she dead. continued it. <laughs> I was a little worried, Sam. I was like, Palm please do it, please do it. <laughs> Let's jump into our recap of season one, episode 12, titled Madame X and aired on September 7th, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. As Allison's mayoral campaign reaches its climax, the police close in on the Silver Bell's accomplice. So before I get everybody's initial reaction, here are the ratings for this episode. It was in the 0.6 demographics between 18 and 49. And the demo change actually went up by 20%, and viewers were peaked at 2.55 million viewers. So it did have a steady increase, so it looks like it's been doing pretty well. So what was everybody's initial reaction to this episode? I'll go ahead and start off with Sam. Man, like, uh, they I just feel like it's all closing in now. Of course, it's near the end, and it just... Everything just tied together so well. Um, I was still kind of shocked. I mean, I knew they were going to throw a lot of twists and turns at us, even more so because it's near the end, but I was just like, I was still kind of shocked even this far in, actually. Okay, okay. Um, Jess, what was your reaction? You know what? I was actually really impressed with this episode, and I think it was the first time overall that the series made me go, wow, I wonder what's going to happen next. I don't just wonder. I need to know. <laughs> that awesome, was dramatic. Awesome. I know. There was like a, like a hint of drama behind it. Was, it. Yes, like, it was days of our lives come to life. Right before our very eyes. So on that matter, what about you, Poppy? I enjoyed it. It wasn't as dramatic as Jess, which I loved and and I lived for. But uh, I thought it was a very well done episode. I thought the twists and the turns were really interesting. And of course, the revelations. The revelations and, and uh, the, uh, the children finally piecing some things together was really fascinating 
to watch. So I liked it. Okay, awesome. Me, I, I have to agree. I kind of like how everything is now starting to fall in place. And now, start beginning off from the previous episode, it feels like everything is starting to interconnect with everything. And pretty much all of the... Pretty much all or most of the questions that were asked throughout the season, I've, I feel like now they've been answered and they weren't they weren't answers that you i at least personally think that you would expect i feel like they were definitely creative in how some things came about but before we get into a thorough recap here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media you can follow the show on tumblr at the silver bells murders tumblr.com you can follow the station on social media we're on twitter facebook instagram and just go ahead and find us and subscribe to us you can help support poppy chulo radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppy chulo radio do you have any questions suggestions comments or concerns you can email us via contact at poppy are you interested in joining the poppy chulo radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. You can binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. And search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit the subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the entire summer. Alright guys, let's see if we can dive right into this episode. So, as we know, the episode pretty much starts off right where it left off and i kind of like the way it began in the sense that all of the voices uh as it looked like the voices were coming out from the dolls like the way that each of them were supposed to represent them in a small fashion so i really did like the way that they started this episode and basically we see that the family is all gathered up and we see that they're kind of on their toes and their tents and it opens up with the door being uh knocked out through and you see cam holding some sort of like weapon or item to guard against and we see garrett comes in with brady which we all know garrett and brady were talking to each other back at the field that garrett was trying to dispose of the body and Basically, they wanted to confirm that what Malin had said, their mother had said, the siblings wanted to confirm if that was true. And Garrett says, you know, yeah, that's everything that happened. And Cam makes a remark saying, you know, well, I'm glad you guys were able to come clean at the time that, you know, our lives are pretty much, you know, in danger. So we we see these these interactions especially at least what's noticeable from cam is that he is kind of like on the edge and to the point where he wants to get his son out and says you know what you know jack and i are leaving and uh basically everybody else you know y'all should too you know i don't want to be at a place where i am a bullseye or a target so the vibe what are the, what is the vibe that you guys are getting from this family interaction now that madeline has revealed this information and now we know that it's not necessarily a lie more so more or less 
because uh, it was confirmed by Garrett. What do you guys think the tension is like? Like, how, how would you describe their relationships with everybody? I'll start off with Jess. Honestly, this family is so weird. Like, <laughs> this family's weird. <laughs> they're just so weird, and weird things happen to them, and they have some weird problems with Jack. Like, Cam is trying to, you know, get his ass in gear, get his son protected, and everybody's just kind of standing there, blinking, with grim mouths and sad eyes, like, well, what are we supposed to do? Run. Change your names. Never associate with one another again. Just leave. <laughs> None of you are worth this. Just find a nice deserted island. Buy one of you, one of it for each of you. Seriously, just go run. Their dynamic is honestly so creepy, and for whatever reason, it just reminds me of like an attic full of old toys that hasn't that haven't been touched in like. 25 years and there are cobwebs everywhere and there's dust and like no one wants to go up to that attic and take the toys out and make sure they still work and make sure they're clean and okay to play with but it's always just there it's like this tension spot for everyone because you don't really want a dusty attic full of toys maybe you want to convert it into a bedroom maybe you want to use it as an art studio but you can't because there's always that big block of something that's stopping you and there's just tension over it and this whole family is just weird and tense and uh, but I was actually just like of course Jack like he's like it's finally getting interesting why do we have to go like he didn't say that but the expression on his face he was like really dad really I'm finally having fun with these mundane people and you're taking me away now seriously I've never loved them so much in my entire life is when they're about to be killed by a raging psychopath. <laughs> and what about you, Sam? How would you describe this, these interactions? I guess is a better way to put it. Now that everything appears to be out in the open. I just feel like Garrett and Madeline, in that moment when they're like confirming everything, formed this alliance I never thought would happen. And it wasn't an alliance, but it seemed like it because they were the only ones that knew everything so it was kind of just like this is kind of weird and it's uncomfortable and i know garrett and madeline aren't still not on good terms because of this but it's just like i don't know it, it kind of divided the family i mean this has been dividing the family for the last three months you know as we've been watching it's been tearing them apart little, little by little but this is just like okay so you've been lying to us the whole time and it's like you know i think they were kind of relieved they heard everything and like, oh, it couldn't get any worse. But little did they know, I'm sure, you know, this, the story's not over. Obviously, it could get worse. There's room for uh, worse things to happen. But yeah, I just felt like, I mean, they kind of just came together. and They're like, okay, this is exactly what happened. And I mean, it was good to air everything out, but it was they kind of left it a little too late because everyone was starting to get a little antsy and it kind of just panic ensued a little too much. And people... You know, like, I know Madeline was trying to keep it all together and, like, but she's, she can't do that. Even though it's Madeline, she can't do that. She's one person and, like, there's a lot of people and a lot of blood 
on everyone's hands here and like she can't afford to keep it together for the sake of her family because it really like hurt them you know so I was just I had mixed feelings about this I was happy that they all confirmed yes this is what happened here here and here but it also just kind of felt like I don't know you know what I mean I can't there's no word to describe it I just it just feels off not that there's nothing off about this family they're, they're perfectly fine right oh yeah what about you poppy what are your what are your thoughts I liked that everything was out in the open. I liked that uh, sort of like the two sides that we saw during the last episode, they got a chance to sort of catch up and to confirm everything. And uh, I, I think it was Tessa, or maybe it was Allison, that was like, oh, so what she was telling us was the truth. I, I thought that was kind of funny. So it was great to see the two factions of the family get together and confirm, okay, this is this is exactly what happened, and uh, what, what are we going to do now? And if you think about it, it gets even more interesting when Brady mentions that, you know, it's, you know I'm going to take you in, and he's referring to Garrett to take him to the down to the station so that way they can get a more confirming his role and what he knows about the silver bells killer and same thing with madeline he's planning to take them both in and tessa kind of steps in and says you know let me speak to garrett you know alone and brady says you know i don't have time for this tessa says you know please let me just speak to my brother basically asserting herself that i want to speak to my brother and it, I think it gets even more interesting when both Garrett and Tessa go to the kitchen and they're both discussing about how Tessa feels at the moment. And she basically just says, you know, you need to go right now. You, you, that, you need to leave the country. I'll, I'll wire you money. And that way you're able to start a new life and i'll find christina that she basically kind of will basically telling garrett you need to just get out of here you know don't even come back don't just leave so that way you can start a new life so that way you're not in danger and i thought it was an interesting take that tessa took i think she really it really does show how much she really does care for garrett's well-being and wanting to make sure that he doesn't have to suffer anymore. Would you guys agree that Tessa's reasoning or pretty much her decision to actually flat out say, you know, just screw this, just leave and just go away and I'll wire you money. Do you guys feel like that it's more because of of what she found out now? Basically finding out that all of the stuff that Garrett has gone through because he did have to, you know, kill somebody for pretty much the sake of of their parents would you guys agree that she kind of feels bad for Garrett and it is a way to atone or to at least reveal a different decision that Garrett can make instead of immediately going with Brady what what do you guys think was that or what take would you guys get from that and I'll go with Poppy first can, can you repeat the last portion of that the question again? Like, would you would you agree or 
what do you think would be the reasoning behind Tessa saying all of this to Garrett? Would you like, would you kind of agree or would you say it's a different thing that she did it because now that she has been revealed this information of everything that Garrett did, Mm -hmm. do you feel like that it actually supports her decision to tell Garrett like to do this or what do you think? I think the reason that she had that conversation with Garrett in private is because after realizing everything that he had done for her, that the reason he did everything that he did back, uh, you know, many years ago, 14 and nearly 15 years ago, was because of her to, to make sure that she didn't grow up sort of screwed up by having this traumatic experience uh, in her memories. She wanted to basically rescue him, kind of like how he had rescued her. So that's why she was like, you know, just, you know, gather some stuff and get your ass out of here you know i'll send you some money start a new life don't get involved with this anymore and uh yeah so i feel like she was doing this to save him much like she like he had saved her as a child like she i guess maybe she felt like she owed it to him after all those years of like him suffering with these secrets and and whatnot she was like you know basically it's my turn you know i need to help you out now Okay. Sam, what do you think? I mean, yeah, walking away worked so well the last time. Let's do it again, right? Like, it just, I don't know. I, him, seeing the journey of how he left, and I don't understand why, and I respect it fully, but, like, for him to do it again at this point, it's like, I totally respect where Tess is coming from. Like, yeah, maybe she did feel like, she owed it to him after all he'd done for her while he was away. But, like, I just feel running away is, like, it's not going to solve anything. And I'm sure they're going to find him regardless. I don't know. But I don't know. I think Garrett's in a much better place now. And if he left, like, that might just fall apart, you know. And his family needs him right now. So I think running away would have been more problematic than helpful for his his self and and just the whole situation. Okay, and Jess, what do you think? I completely agree with both. Um, I think that Tessa is the most likable person in this family. Uh, that's subject, but I, I think that she is the most likable family member because despite everything, she still has this very naive, idealistic outlook And even after everything that's happened, she's still like, Garrett, seriously, man, run. I can wire you some money. You can live with Christina. You can build boats and just, like, do the attachment parenting thing with your baby. And it's all going to work out. And you'll live happily ever after. Like, I truly believe that Tess thought that if she could help facilitate her older brothers happily ever after, she would do it because, as was mentioned prior... Garrett kind of helped her not have to experience a major trauma, a great sacrifice to himself. And so I really like that Tess kind of stepped up and said, look, I I am willing to do this for you. I'm willing to help you facilitate an escape because you helped me all those years ago. Like, I want to be your hero this time. But I also love the fact that Garrett was 
just basically not down for that. He was like, I can't really run. Like, let's just get this over with. I'm tired of running and, and not being honest with both myself and the people around me. Like, I'm glad that he kind of put his foot down. And even though he could see what she was trying to do and definitely, I think, commended her for it, he just wanted to get things over with and make sure that, you know, this time the truth finally comes out, everything sticks, and just let the chips fall where they may. But I really, really adore their relationship. Like, that is one consistent thing about American Gothic that has always been wonderful. You know, Tess and Garrett are just super adorable together as brother and sister, and just, ugh, definitely one of my favorite relationships showcased in the show. Yeah, I definitely agree. Their relationship has shown that it did have its, you know, minor setbacks, but it did show that they do have a strong bond with each other. And and you're right. And Garrett decides to not take that decision. And he basically says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm done running and I'm going to I need to be here, you know, with you guys. And I'm going to be here for you guys pretty much pretty much choosing the opposite decision that he had made so many years ago and another possible decision that he could have made in the present time in this episode and he basically could you know confirms to tessa you know you know no more running you know i'm i'm gonna be here and basically showcasing that he really does care for his family that he's willing to stay at the house to stay there and to make sure that everything goes smoothly and things don't go smoothly in this next scene where we kind of see Detective Cutter and Brady uh, kind of having a conversation about Brady trying to get back into the case. Because what we remember from the previous episode, Brady had told Garrett that he was going to do everything in his power to make sure that he doesn't spend any jail time, assuming that garrett goes along with providing enough information to the police to the authorities about sbk and sbk's accomplice and brady kind of throws in his own conniving way to get back in telling cutter that you know i still have the tape which was the shady deal that detective cutter made with the mayor in regards to her destroying evidence and Brady basically says, you know, my family is in great danger and I need to get back on this case or I'm going to submit this videotape, this recording to Internal Affairs and you will more than likely lose your job for sure. Basically trying to convince Detective Cutter that whatever, if she decides to not allow him to get in, then she's pretty much screwed to the worst possible way you know you losing your job and we kind of also see a faltering relationship which i think was an interesting uh, scene where we see madeline and garrett are kind of like in this lobbyish waiting area in the station and we see madeline decide to tell garrett you know to tell you that i'm sorry and garrett kind of avoids eye contact with her and basically just says you know well what exactly are you sorry for and one of the things she says you know i'm sorry that i put you through this that 
you know, for covering up and for uh, doing it for Tessa. And Garrett simply replies, you know, nope, try again. And I think their little interaction was actually pretty interesting because we see that, you know, Garrett is really, really still upset with his, with his mother. And she she decides to say, you know, okay, well, for letting you leave. And Garrett says, nope, not, nope, try again. That's not it. And we get, we get this feeling that Garrett is really just super pissed off. And I guess for me, I really felt the tension. And he basically just says, you know, you need to say something that isn't, you just say stuff that is just easily for you, but you don't actually feel sorry for the major repercussions that you produced. And he says, you know, you need to apologize for exactly what you did. And you apologize for everything and not just, you know, minor things. And Malin throws in this comment saying, you know, when you have a family, you'll understand that that there is no limit that I am willing to go in order to protect my family. And Gary just simply says, you know, well, you know, that family for me is going to come a lot sooner than expected. And you're not going to be a part of it. You're, he basically just flat out tells her, you know, you're pretty much dead to me. You don't, you, you don't exist that you won't see my family when when we see this interaction poppy what did you think about garrett telling that to madeline do you feel like do you feel like it was justified for him to just get completely upset and tell her you know what you are not going to see my family you know the the upcoming child that i'm going to have you have no business being in in our lives anymore to answer your question, yes, I thought it was justified, but to be honest, that's not what I thought when he said that. When he said that to her, the immediate thought that I had, the immediate thought that popped into my head was, you know, history is repeating itself, because the exact same thing that she told her mother is now being told to her by her child, and I was like, you know, no matter you know, how hard you tried to be different than your mother and how you wanted to Im maybe improve the lives of your kids and all this kind of stuff and, like, to, uh, you know, do all these things down on the low to uh, make sure that they had a great future and whatnot. It just came back and bit you in the ass. And uh, now your kids are treating you like you treated your own mother. Right, but we do, but we do see that for all the crap that Garrett had to go through in regards to killing somebody to go along. No, with yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm like, how he's feeling is justified. I just think it's funny that history was repeating itself. I was like, wow, like he's telling her the exact, exact same thing yeah. that she told her mom. Jess, what do you think? As to whether or not I would cut her off. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to answer it that way, or do you feel like it was justified for everything that Garrett said, pretty much the entire thing? Okay, well, part one, yeah, if I was Garrett, I would cut her off. I've I've cut off someone for way less than that. But also, I agree with Poppy. 
it just goes to show that your past will always catch up with you. And that's not to say, like, that you can't make any mistakes because karma is just this giant shadow looming over you, ready to bite you. But she did a lot of shady things. And I think when Garrett finally said, you know, you're not going to have any contact with my family. I don't want them around you. Basically, you're a garbage human being. I, I think it hit her. Like, I watched her expression, and kudos to the actress, but I think she finally got it. Like, there was this horrified look in her eyes, like, holy shit. And I, I think she was flashing back to the time that she actually said that to her own mother. And history was repeating itself, and she was probably like, what did I do? I mean, I, I loved you guys so much that I committed murder for you. These aren't the same mistakes that my mother made, and yet somehow I'm in the same position. So it was really striking to watch because absolutely I think her, her facial expression conveyed everything. And it was just, it, it was kind of difficult to watch because on one hand it was like, yes, Garrett, like, tell her exactly what she needs to hear but on the other hand it was just like oh this has got to be hard to hear because I don't ever think that Madeline you know was ever used to having things handed to her I think her entire life has been based on you know clawing her way up to somewhere and manipulating and figuring out how to get to where she needs to be by working an angle or by you know playing with people's emotions or whatever and she kind of tried to make it so that her own kids didn't have to. But in a way, she made it worse, which again goes back to that question that I think we've asked a couple of times in different episodes, but mostly in regards to Jack. Like, is it nature or nurture that makes us a certain way? And in, in Madeline's case, I definitely think that it's nurture. And unfortunately, she was unable to stop herself from continuing the reckless patterns that were obviously present in her childhood, you know, with her, I think her mom was an alcoholic, with her alcoholic mom. And in doing so, she created a huge, huge gap between herself and her children, even though she has no addiction to speak of. She actually committed possibly, I mean, I guess that's subjective, but possibly worse sins than her own mother committed towards her. And this is just a vicious cycle now that her children are striving to break, or at least Garrett is now. Nice. Okay. And what about you, Sam? I think Garrett made the right choice in saying, like, okay, I don't want you in my life. I've seen... I've seen, because he's seen everything that, you know, he was a part of somewhat of what she's done and he knows everything. So, um, and I don't think he knows what happened to hit her mom, but is like almost a, a mirrored picture, you know, it sounds like I, we haven't seen what happened with her mom either, but we got a sense of it when, when she met with her outside of Boston and, you know, to say, okay, I don't want you in my child's life. I don't want you in my new life. I'm starting new, like get out of my life. I think that was very justified because this whole family is psycho and regardless of where it comes from, whatever gene they have, whatever past um, mistakes and murders 
that are hanging over them. I really think that Garrett is smart in doing that because you don't need um, a dangerous place for a baby to grow up. And I mean, like, look at Jack. Like, that is, he grew up in an environment where I assume that Cam and Sophie have been using since he was maybe, even when he was born, like, maybe she was using during pregnancy and stuff like that. And that, you know, really affected how his brain makeup is and how he acts and thinks. And, you know, Garrett sees that. And although Garrett does like Jack and they have a healthy relationship, I don't think he would ever want that, something like that for his kid. Uh, or like Christina, because Christina has been through a lot of traumatic things too. And like, so they're, you know, that's a common ground. So I think for um, Garrett to say, you know what, like, screw you kind of thing. Like you're dead to me, just like he did when he was in the, the woods with uh, Jenkins there. I think that's very smart. Honestly, like I think he made the right decision and yeah, it's his mom, but you know, just because they're your parent doesn't mean, you know, they can't be toxic and that they're a good addition to your life, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Cool. And I think it gets even weird. Well, I guess you could say weirder, but as expected, how, of course, Madeline is definitely caught in a lie when Allison, uh, is notified by the security team that we're supposed to install like new cameras and new security system that they found something in one of the like <clears throat> in like one of the vents or little areas in one of the rooms and she opens up and she sees that it is a box full of silver bells and you could see her face like oh my god like what is this doing here? She was like, oh, snap. Like, yeah, like you could see she's staring out in space like, son of a bitch. Like, she said she got rid of them. And we see, you know, she tells the, uh guess you could say, like, one of the workers there, you know, I'll go ahead and take care of you, you know, thank you. And we see that she opens up and it's the box of bells and everything. And you, we see, like, this flashback of... Malin saying that well I had Gunther get rid of them and uh, basically that old stuff from the shed basically we had had him get rid of it and then we see another flashback where uh, Detective Cutter and Brady are at the crime scene of the reporter and we see that the that it's a flashback of there being a silver bell and Sin has this revelation that oh shit this you know it's connected that we as the viewers can now pretty much make the assumption or the speculation that she, that Malin was the one or may have been the person who caused this based upon what was presented to us. And which I'm not really shocked because it's Madeline. Cause you know, she kind of just kind of just does things, you know, her way and you know, typical and we see that the uh forensics examiner and i believe it was like two cops come in and they asked because uh, originally the family had asked if they could you know go ahead and take it take the dollhouse with it so that way they can check for fingerprints or dna or anything like that and the police officer asked you know is there any other evidence or any other thing that you can think of and allison i guess hesitates a little bit but then she says you know nope that's it there's nothing else you know just that so i guess that was kind of interesting that allison decided not to say that oh well there's actually silver bells but i guess it's kind of assumed that maybe she wants to confront her mom or maybe do something at least that's what it feels like it's implied from that part and 
then it kind of moves over to Garrett and Madeline with the uh, with the with the forensic drawer, the uh, basically what they use in order to create a, uh, the sketch artist in order for them to more or less get an idea of what the Silverbell's killer looked like back then, and we see that. Uh, as the episode progresses, we see the scenes kind of move back and forth with Madeline and Garrett giving their own descriptions of the SBK. And we see that near the end of it, we see that, oh, that <laughs> the two pictures look kind of completely, not completely, but they definitely look different. So, that they look like two different people. And Madeline just simply says, oh, well, I only saw him for a few seconds, so, you know, uh, maybe, you know, my memory can't be, may not be that as great. And Detective Cutter is basically asking, you know, is there anything that you can think of or, you know, something that would make it more distinct? And uh, Garrett says that, well, you know, this individual had a sort of cross this you know this symbol on his chest and detective cutter says that it was a bridges cross if i'm not mistaken what she had said what it was and we how would you guys how do you guys think about the portraits being different were you guys surprised that the portraits were different or do you guys think that it was expected that they both would have both would have given a different description of what the individual looked like. Like, were you guys surprised at that, or were you guys like, "Oh, that's of course this is going to happen"? Like, what did you guys think? I think that was poorly executed. Like, wouldn't you corroborate a story beforehand before you're going <laughs> into like, okay, I'm on, I'm on the docket for I could be put away for like accessory to the fact and like yada yada. <laughs> Like, would you not corroborate the story in the image? I'm sorry. Like, that's honestly what I thought. Would you Would you at least humor me and try to get the story straight or at least try to get the details like, of the person? Seriously. I mean, and then, and then Cutter was like, oh, so he, there's a, a Irish white guy. This is what he looks like. And it could either be this or this. And, like, I think she knew. I, I honestly think she knew that they were, like, faking it. I don't know. Like, her face. Like, she's seen this before, you know? And I was but just like, you guys tired are... Of this crap. Yeah, and but like Madeline's so much better than that, and like plan like you see, we've seen how cunning she is, and just just leave this detail out, like just to not practice or anything. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this is a character digression. <laughs> I don't well, think that's even a thing. But well, maybe maybe not necessarily a character digression, but maybe it could be because she's still maybe a little distraught maybe. of the fact that now it's coming to the near end that everybody mm. is finding out. So now she's not left out. She's left out with a little bit of less options and opportunities that she can take now than what she's mostly used to but you're right you would think yeah you would think that if it's two people and you have the potential to be put away for a long time you would think that you know what i think we should really work on making sure that we describe the guy kind of similar to what we think or how we're we're gonna do it so you would think right yeah seriously and it kind of moves over to the next scene, and we see uh, Cam is with Jack. Oh, Jack. 
still creeps me out. And they're at uh, at Sophie's place, and we see that you know Cam has to go to the restroom or goes to the bathroom, and we see Sophie kind of just open the drawers, which, by the way, I think is really odd to have a dresser type thing right by the door. I don't know. I've never seen that, but that's just me. And we see that she kind of opens the the drawers and and to use as a as a kind of barrier for the door so the door can't open and we see that Sophie decides to take Jack and we just see Cam struggling with the door and he's like you know trying to open it and everything and we kind of see that oh well Sophie just took Jack like and I for me the first thing that came to mind was like oh I can just imagine what Jess is thinking right now like I can imagine Jess is thinking this bitch Oh, yeah, that that's Jess? actually spot on. <laughs> I was right? like, really? Really? And this, and this really, bitch, <laughs> this bitch even slashed his tires. <laughs> I know, I was like, what the fuck? Oh, get away from me and take your creepy spawn forever. Just go drown somewhere. God. I thought it was funny, like, I could see, like, Jess, like, oh my god, like, she's putting her fingers to her forehead and just, like, oh god, like, why? so bad. <laughs> I punched a pillow and now there's a hole in it. Aww. Aww. <laughs> and... This... I think this actually gets even more interesting when Alice, the next scene, we see Allison confronting Madeline about the silver bells that she didn't tell the truth about discarding them, about getting rid of them when she said she did so many episodes ago. And Allison brings up a really good point and says, you know, you you held on to them. So that way, if somebody were to get in your way, you knew exactly what to do. And she says, you know, that it's interesting that you knew exactly how to stage a SBK event. Like you knew how to manipulate th- the stage, the environment, and to make it look like SBK did it. And we see Allison really pressing at Malin saying, you know, you killed her and you, you know, what, why, like, how could you do this? And she's basically telling her, you know, why, why did you? And Malin just says, you know, I had to. And he, she basically says, you know, I proved that it couldn't be Garrett, that that's why I did it. And you see Allison just in disgust and that she says, you know, that you could pretty much justify anything that no matter what somebody gives you, you somehow have an answer for everything that you're willing to go whatever lengths you can and you somehow are able to justify literally everything no matter what. And... This this little exchange gets even more interesting when Allison, if I'm not mistaken, states, you know, it's not so much that I'm worried about the accomplice, I'm more worried about you. That of everything that's going on, that you are willing to go to such lengths that I'm I'm looking at a murderer in front of me. 
And she even made Allison, if I'm not mistaken, also during that scene, she also makes the revelation that, wait, you were with dad by yourself. What exactly happened? And she, I don't know if it was just me, but it looked like she gave a stone cold look and basically said, you know, he wanted to tell the police about the about David Morales. And you see Allison again is just in tears and is just in shock, like, oh my god, like this is my mother, like and she says, you know, it's crazy because that everybody is so afraid of the SBK accomplice, but yet there is a you know a serial killer, a murderer right in front of us and I thought this was a funny scene and I know it's maybe not meant to be funny but Madeline responds saying you know well I didn't kill the blind woman like she makes it seem like that's supposed to count for something that you know that she didn't kill the blind woman that she didn't put the bells in her puss, that, uh, purse and that that itself is supposed <laughs> to what oh my god <laughs> What? Why is everyone laughing? I don't want to say it. I don't get it. I said purse, not buzz. <laughs> so it sounded like the other, other word. So. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I said purse, but then I repeated purse again. But yeah, it's because my mic sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Made my day. <laughs> she put the bells in her butt. Meow. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say even responding to this, but that's because I am a grown up. I am mature. No, you're not. I'm sorry. Shut the fuck I, I, up. I am. Not. <laughs> Just let me. <laughs> okay, I'm over it. You can go back to being mature adults now. Yes, shove it in your puss. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, I'm so mature. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what you can say when you have a college degree. Oh, uh, girl. I'm getting it in eight months. Meow. Well, I have two college degrees, so. Well, I'm only 20 years old, so what do you want to do? What do you want for me? Your soul. I don't have one. I know because you're a ginger, just like Jess. Although Jess is a fake one. Yeah. She has a soul. As much as I try to hide it, I guess I do. Okay, uh, I'm good to go. Back on track. Yes, continue on. And she, and she basically just says in a kind of like, uh, kind of like in a nonchalant attitude that, well, I'm not the one who killed. I I didn't kill the blind lady, you know. That 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 has to count for something. And all of the silver silver bells, you know, weren't. I didn't place them in my purse, so I can't be the one who, you know, who's doing this. And right now. I am scared, and she basically says, "You know, I'm fearful. Of what's what's going to happen? And you should be too." And Allison says, "You know, oh yeah, I am. Don't worry about it." And we kind of see that 
and she basically just walks off with the bells and says, you know, you belong in prison. And and I believe Madeline had told her, you know, you don't really grasp the severity of this situation. And she throws it again, saying, you know, I did all of this, you know, to make sure that you had everything. And she says, you know, I look at you, look at you yourself now that you, you're able and so close to making such a political monument for your career. And she lists, she basically lists all of the other siblings, you know, that Garrett is out of prison, Cam is not with Sophie anymore, and Tessa is, you know, with a potential family and is working as a teacher. So she basically lists all of the things that she herself feels responsible for that the sacrifices and the cold-hearted decisions that she has made has led up to the results of what each of her children have and she says you know and there's not one thing that i would take back and they're basically saying that she doesn't regret anything of the decision that she has led up to now and allison just simply tells you, you know just let me go and she says it in a stern serious voice just basically telling her you need to back off and she basically just walks away so now we see that her relationship with Garrett is pretty much strained and we also see that now her relationship with Allison is pretty much strained also that Melon is completely disgusted with her mother is infuriated for all of the decisions she has made and again i mean who can really blame her and we still see this conniving individual coming from madeline when she decides to talk to her lawyer if i'm not mistaken and she kind of uses like hypothetical situations and she pretty much is asking the lawyer for advice on what she should do and the, I think the lawyer played it really, really well, where she basically used a scenario f- uh, of like a TV show, and she basically just says, you know, have you ever watched any TV shows? Basically making the conversation less serious, and she basically says, you know, uh, you know that, there's, that the show has a blend of like comedy and drama, and it has everything you want. And and she basically gives her advice, but not to where she's doing it from her own personal experience. She basically is saying it in a way that, well, if it were like this, then you probably would need to make sure that you liquidate everything. Uh, basically making sure that she's not involved with any potential decisions that Madeline makes, which I thought was really, really cool that the lawyer did that. Uh, not necessarily cool in a good way, but... Well, cool if you're the client. Well, yeah, because you know that, that your lawyer actually knows what he or she knows what they're talking about. And I kind of think about my brother, who is a lawyer as well, so I'm thinking, huh, it kind of makes me wonder, has my brother ever done that? But I don't want to ask him, because obviously that'd be kind of bad. But... It's interesting because it really does show that Malin is still trying to find a way to get herself out of this situation where she needs to make sure 
or she feels that she needs to make sure that she has some sort of contingency plan in place just in case if everything were to just blow up in her face or things were just to just really just get out of control that she literally has zero control out of everything and it i feel like for her she still definitely wants to have that control and make sure that at the end of this event she wants to come out on top regardless of the repercussions that everybody faces and it's it's the episode still ramps up where we see cam and tessa are at sophie's place and they're still trying to figure out more or less where jack is and uh they do find a way to try to more or less figure out where sophie has been making purchases and apparently was at a convenience store so they decide to go to the convenience store and when they get to the convenience store they notice that well that she only bought i think it was like two like bottles of ranch or something from right was it like two bottles of ranch Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's the best amount to chug. Ugh. And so apparently she bought the two bottles of ranch, and Cam was like, why on earth would she buy just two bottles of ranch, like, of all the things that she could buy? And Tessa, being the more level-headed, calm, and really thinks out through type of individual, she notices that there were coupons to go to the aquarium. So she said, so she thinks, you know what? They have to be at the aquarium because that's what's on the bottle. And before it goes into that, we see that uh, Malin is with her purse and she goes to the site of where Mitch was cremated and, you know, their little, I guess you could say like little graveyard or shrine or however you want to call it. And you see that she puts a flower there and she you know looks like she's paying respect at least that was my thought but then i thought no it's madeline there's gotta be more to it she is this manipulative crazy woman no there's definitely gotta be way more to this so kind of see she's looking she's looking around to see if anybody was watching or you know if anybody was taking a looking at her what she was gonna do so apparently she opens up and she takes the box, I think it was like of where his remains are, and she kind of just gets her bag and she, you see a, like huge lumps of cash and it looks like wads of hundreds. And she's literally just getting them from her purse and she's just putting them in and they just keep coming out over and over and over again. And she pulls out her passport and she leaves her passport there too, uh, basically understanding what her lawyer had said previously about what she should have on hand in case she needs to make a run for it or whatever and we also see that she takes off her wedding ring too and she places it in there and she locks it up and basically just goes on her merry way like typical crazy woman i think and again i I don't know why but jess is literally in my head saying like oh this other bitch this other bitch being conniving <laughs> like i feel like that i feel like that's what you're saying especially i feel like I, you were channeling me like i feel, I, I feel like, like i was i feel like during this during this episode i was like oh i feel like jess's spirit is here <laughs> jess is inside you <laughs> i was oh with you god. in spirit jess is inside mike oh my god jess is deep inside mike deep deep inside ow baby emphasis on deep deep 
and <laughs> we see that it gets a little bit more interesting when the forensic examiner uh, pulls up the body of SBK and she notices that the individual's femur was uh, replaced or repaired with a titanium rod. It is usually what's used to help uh, regulate the bone structure uh, in order for somebody to walk just in case if they suffered a major uh, fracture or if they suffered uh, major uh, contusions in their bone to the point where the, it needs assistance and help in self-repair. And they kind of use that as a reference towards that not many people obviously have that in their body. So they kind of use it as mm-hmm. a reference point on uh, the different hospitals that treated patients or assisted patients with uh, putting a titanium rod in their femur. So it kind of it kind of helps with trying to identify what the SBK's name is and we see Brady and Cutter kind of are, you know, trying to f- trying to figure out like okay, how on earth are we going to do this cuz this is the only leading evidence that we have besides the two pictures that are obviously not the same and the forensic examiner actually brings up a super important clue to the case and they she mentions that the dollhouse itself didn't have any dna fingerprints but that there were traces of high amounts of amino acids and the detectives are like okay what what, what does that even mean <laughs> what what does it even mean that they have have this high amounts of amino acid what does that exactly lead to the forensic examiner says that the accomplice is female she mentions that it has to be a female now i feel like that was definitely a pivotal moment in the episode she had said female what was going on through everybody's mind i've got to go with jess first what did you think honestly i thought that oh my god madeline what the i honestly thought that the entire thing the dollhouse the creepy like the bells in the purse all that other weird stuff i thought that she had done it and i was like you are twisted and you have psychologically scarred your children and you've psychologically scarred me and then i was like wait that's too easy that makes no sense jess why are you an idiot and then i was like so who could it be and i had like a little suspicion but then i was like nah i'm probably wrong what about you sam madeline (laughs) that's what i thought i mean i just gotta jump back for a second i regardless of whether madeline is or is not the accomplice i was right regardless because she did kill people and she did orchestrate everything. I knew it. I knew it. Um, and she just, I loved that interaction between Allison and, and Madeline in hindsight. But anyways, honestly, I was like Madeline or, you know, honestly, Naomi, maybe Sophie, Christina, 
don't know. Like any, I'm just looking at all the women that have been slightly too very suspicious within the last few weeks, especially, and I'm just like, who could it be? Or could it be one of the sisters? Or could it be Phyllis? We haven't seen her a lot, you know. She's hiding in the background. I'm just saying, she hasn't been around for a few weeks. Like, oh, what is she- Phyllis, I love you. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know who it could have been, but I was just thinking about all every single girl that we've seen, and. Uh, yeah, I just a lot of names came into my head. Poppy, how did you feel? Well, I felt like okay, so at least you know we have been picking the right gender for the most part when we've been giving our predictions. So I, I wasn't surprised fully that it was a female accomplice. Uh, I mean, you know, they've made every character look shady, so you know. You, you can't really go on that, but uh, it was interesting. I was glad that they finally, like, after all this time, confirmed uh, the gender of the accomplice. Nice. Me too. I was like, okay, now it kind of really does dwindle down the possible individuals that it can be now, and I really didn't know which woman it could have been i really had no clue because you had mentioned that so many people did look like they were shady and it didn't help that it was with that it happened with multiple uh individuals so i was like okay you know i I really really don't know and it gets even more interesting when we see allison with the box of the silver bells and we see that she kind of goes i guess to like a pier type area you know pretty much where the end where the body of water is when she that she's looking at the box and she looks at it for like a few seconds and she just tosses the box out into into the water and we just see you know the box you know sink and you know and we see allison slowly just walk away and i thought what why why would you do that but i guess it sort of answers sort of answers why she did it in the next scene where we see oh god where we see madeline uh scooping up the remains of mitch because mitch was cremated and we see that she's scooping it up and she's she's putting it in the ground uh, outside by her i guess plants or whatever and she's literally just putting it there she's you know Getting, getting rid of it and we see allison uh tell madeline that you know i got rid of the bells and nobody will ever know and madeline just simply says you know thank you you know i i, I appreciate it and allison says you know i oh don't worry i didn't do it for you and madeline says well of course you know you did it for the greater good just like i did and allison says you know oh no we're we're not the same and you will not be near my children you won't be near me you won't be near anybody i'm with ever and pretty much as far as i know and i'm concerned with you you don't exist you are not here you you will not play a part in any of this anymore and she simply walks away and we see Madeline, instead of holding her strong persona that she, I believe that she tend to show off, we see that she actually is a little hurt now. That she 
looks like she's a little bit sad that another one of her children says, you know, I want nothing to do with you. That pretty much the list of consequences that she has done has led up to two of her children saying, you know, I want no part of you any ever again, pretty much disowning their own mother. And where we see these motherly problems with, you know, with the mother that in the next scene, we see Sophie and Jack are in the aquarium and Jack's explaining to her mom about each of the different species of fish and basically, you know, what's so interesting about them. And we see that Sophie tells Jack that I recorded a message on your on the bear, the teddy bear that Garrett gave you. And when she tells him that we see Cam and Tessa find both Sophie and Jack. And we see Tessa, you know, goes into like her like ant motherly type instinct and is like, you know what, Jack, do you want to show me, you know, the jellyfish? You know, do you want to go do that? And kind of takes Jack out of the picture so that way Cam and Sophie can speak and again channeling Jess I feel like Jess could have played Cam and would have loved to tell off Sophie am I right Jess you are right you have never been more right in your whole life right and basically Sophie just explains I will never get even supervised visitations with Jack basically explaining that she will never be able to see Jack ever again because of the lawyer that was given by uh, Cam's mother. And we see that Cam is just listening to everything that Sophie needs to say about be not being able to be with Jack. And Sophie just says, you know, I want to at least to have this one last memory with Jack. And Cam says, well, you you got what you wanted, you know, that last final time. And I hope you enjoyed it because it'll be the last time. And basically Cam just walks up to her and says, you know, that you're a lost cause. You can't be fixed. And, you know, he simply just walks away. And Sophie basically tells Cam that, you know, make sure that he doesn't forget me please make sure that he doesn't forget you know his mother me and cam just simply looks at her and just simply walks away jess how did you feel about this scene i gotta get your perspective on this because it's dealing with sophie and i know how much we all know how much you really love Sophie. yeah she takes selfies with her oh this is gonna sound so cruel and so heartless but honestly, just if Sophie were my friend and she was complaining about, you know, I've lost my child. I'm not even allowed to have supervised visits with him. I'd be like, bro, people make mistakes. And then there's you. You <gasps> lost your child I... to buy candy, <laughs> candy drugs. Drug candy. You are a whole other level of low could you please be 
somewhere that's not in my eye line or in my earshot or just around me in general. I need to breathe air that you are also not breathing. Like, I, I know that sounds super harsh, but honestly, I'm really glad. I, I, and I don't think that, uh, contrary to the Hawthorns, I don't think that Jack will ever stand a chance. Like, the damage is done with that kid. The most that you can put him in is, like, a padded cell and make sure that he never, ever, ever gets released. But... Uh, oh my god, there are so many problems with Sophie and, and Jack, and I'm glad that Cam is finally free of her dynamic. I was so glad that he finally stood up to her instead of allowing her to kind of bat her pretty eyes at him and be like, but I'm his mommy. Well, then act like it, you stupid bitch. Don't use him to buy drugs for you. Actually be a mom. It takes some effort. Stop acting like the entire world is against you. You did this to yourself. So absolutely props to Cam. Like, I know that sounds super harsh. I'm aware of that. And I'm sorry if this has offended anyone. But honestly, like, Sophie just... Oh, she makes my skin crawl. And again, I think it's too late for Jack. She's already messed him up irreparably. I don't know if that's nature or nurture or whatever. But certainly having a mother like Sophie definitely didn't help. And I think Cam is starting to realize and starting to want better for himself and his child. Even though it's too fucking late for Jack and we're all going to see him on the evening news in about uh, 15 years. He's going to have killed someone. Dear Lord. Well, was that too much? No, uh, I mean everybody loves honesty, so yes. I'll give you, a, I'll give you a prop. At least that. Sophie did, wasn't carrying a purse. <sighs> dear Lord, dear Lord. Anyways, going on to the next scene, we do see that Garrett is still with Detective Cutter and Brady. And they're trying to go with this concept of maybe if we were to bring up a picture of potential individuals that may be SBK, hopefully it'll may uh, jog Garrett's memory of who SBK is. And they're kind of just going through the database files that the hospitals give in regards to who gets checked in and it uses a framework of all of these individuals and patients that have been to these hospital locations and it we notice that it does take a little while and we notice that brady somehow has another revelation that wait if this individual had the tattoo of the bridge's cross what if it was meant to be a description of a name like a daughter or wife or something like that so brady gets this idea that you know maybe if we were to actually run that in the database what if we were to you know maybe get a potential match and they notice that there's a hit that it's one individual uh uh, that this individual was Bridget Martin, that and that the emergency contact 
was placed for John Martin. And he had a surgery back in 97 for for the titanium rod to be put into his femur. And they pull up the the picture of John Martin and we see kind of like Garrett has a flashback and says, you know, it's, it's him. He is the silver bells killer. And now we know that this person is silver bells killer. So pretty much everybody who we thought was a silver bells killer, obviously we were wrong. So that kind of sucked, but it's nice to know that now we have the identity of SBK. Now we know the individual who is SBK, who is responsible for most of the killings that took place. And we kind of go into this next scene where... Allison is speaking with Naomi, and uh, in the previous scene, uh, Allison is speaking with Naomi, saying, you know, that she made the decision, you know, she couldn't have done this without Naomi, and she notices that there are some Metro passes in her purse. Previously, uh, in the beginning, near the beginning part of the episode, Allison was speaking with Naomi, and Naomi said that she was just in town for a wedding. And that she wanted to speak with Allison uh, whenever she had the chance. But Allison kind of figured out that, wait, she hasn't been out. That she's not necessarily visiting. That she doesn't believe that she is just here just for the wedding. That she obviously has been here for quite a while. If she's been taking the Metro back and forth. And Allison just simply tells you, you know... You need to leave. You know, I'm done with people lying in in my life. I don't need that anymore. Basically telling her she needs to leave. And it kind of, I feel like it gets a little bit more interesting where they, it leads up to Brady and Detective Cutter kind of still going through the profile of uh, of John Martin where they notice that they try that who the daughter is, that they're not able to pinpoint who she is. And they notice that, well, there is no record of her basically after 2003. That base, that this person is there's like no death certificate there's no identification of this person and basically detective cutter comes to the conclusion that well that means that she changed her name that she took on a new identity and she became a different person and the scene kind of kind of goes back to naomi locking the door and the camera kind of goes in on like half of Naomi's face and we see that Naomi kind of like walks up to Allison like from a distance you know where it shows only like half of Naomi's back and you see Allison uh, and Allison sitting at her desk and then it kind of goes back 
to where Brady says, you know, it's starting to make sense because that means that this, the daughter, this woman had to have been at the funeral and she had access to the house that it has to be somebody that the Hawthorns know that this the daughter was able to put the bells in Malin's purse and she obviously has some high enough connection to the Hawthorns that she's able to do all these things and then the scene goes back to where Naomi says you know I'm sorry Allison you know but I, I can't do that and we see Allison just like put the pen down and she looks serious and then the mm-hmm. and Naomi ends. started shoving stuff into Alice's purse will you okay. stop horrible we're, we're <laughs> supposed to set an example no for, for Sam Hoover for everybody oh for Sam Hoover I'm not fragile. Oh my god. <laughs> Stop treating me like that. <laughs> so, oh my I'm god, Tessa right now. Sorry, Tess. Oh, yeah. we have our Tessa. <laughs> Wait, so, what does you're that Jack. mean everyone else? Fuck <laughs> 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 Quote Jack. <laughs> Jack. So, if we had to rate the episode from 1 to 10 Silver Bells, what would you guys give it? I'll start with Poppy. You know what? I'm going to give this episode a solid nine and a half silver bells. I thought it was a really strong episode. For it being the penultimate episode, I think we got a lot of answers to things. And we got a lot of like really neat um, revelations. And a couple little twists and turns. Like I wasn't buying the whatever they were trying to do with the cliffhanger to make Naomi seem like extra hella shady and suspicious but I I was enjoying it like every moment it was a good take but you have to admit it was actually a good yeah no I completely agree especially with the narration from Brady I thought they did a good job with it but I was just like I'm not buying this but it was still a nice cliffhanger so I enjoyed the episode immensely it was a great setup for what was to be the uh, season finale Nice. Okay. Jess, what would you rate it from 1 to 10 silver bells? Nine silver bells. Oh, okay. This was the first episode where I was actually excited for what was going to happen next. I thought they set it up really well, and I absolutely was just on the edge of my seat waiting for the next part, which doesn't usually happen, but I really thought that they brought it home with this episode so good job that was actually fantastic because i know that i've been far more critical than you guys yes because you are a picky bitch maybe yes a little bit yes so but no this was actually really fantastic and i really have to hand it to everyone involved it was great and to quote poppy chulo I am a picky bitch, and you have satisfied this picky bitch, so Ooh. congratulations, American Gothic, and all the people that were involved in the making of this episode, because it actually was Yeah, I love a satisfied Jess. Nice. Don't we all? And Sam? I'm going to have to go with nine as well. Um, I think this was probably the best episode yet. I know that's saying... A lot, because there was a lot. We're, we're already so far in, so we know everything up to this point, so it's easy to say that. But I think it was, like Jess said, the best setup, I think, of the whole season. Like, I know they had to deal with some uh, storylines and, like, backstories before they could get us to this point, so I understand that and respect it. But I do think 
This was the best episode yet. So nine out of ten silver bells for me. Nice. I think for me, if I had to rate it from one to ten silver bells, I probably would have given it or would give it mm, a nine. I I really enjoyed it. It definitely set up the tone for the last episode. I feel like everything is now starting to fall into place and now it's going to lead up to a great finale. And I feel like everything was great about this episode. It pretty much showcased the darker elements that certain individuals had and really showcasing their interactions with how certain interactions were created with certain individuals like the strong bond with Tessa and Garrett and uh, the interaction with Madeline and two of her children so overall I definitely would give it a 9 out of 10 so join us for the last time for a brand new installment of the Silver Bells Murders visit pompichuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more Registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for The Silver Bells Murders and subscribe. Please like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Radio. You can help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash Radio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a happy good night. Good night, listeners. SBK, we're about to catch you. Good night, everybody. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of The Silver Bells Murders. Good night, everyone. (laughs) 